So, wat is het wat die Heere vir ons vandag het? So, ek wil hy ons moet saam lees uit die Heerese woord uit. Ephesians, Ephesians 3, wat is dit in Afrikaans? Ephesians 3, vers 14. Sal hy daar vir ons opzit. I have to, I have to say that to you in English, because, huh? you okay? Okay, so, Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21. Uh, Paul writing to the Ephesians, just in context. So, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. You're talking about being named. Um, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Wow, big, big sentence. Eh? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he just ends his prayer and he says, Amen. So this is a prayer of Paul to the Ephesians. Uh, Now, he started with a little sentence that says, for this reason I kneel before the Father. And then he goes on to pray for the Ephesians that they will be strengthened by God's Spirit and that they will understand through His Spirit His love for them. That's the content of, of the prayer. Um, but what is the there for? What is, why do we need the power as people that already follow Jesus? Hoe kom met ons kracht nodig? So, ons wat boer sal weet, uh, ja, gebruik nie een trekker waar jy met jou bakkie kan rein nie. Man is dierder. Jy gebruik nie een massive lorry om iets te rei wat jy met een sleepwakel gesleep het nie. Want, dit is onnodig. Jy gebruik net goed met baie kracht, wanneer jy baie kracht nodig het. So, why, why do we need lots of power? Because that's Paul's prayer for us, or for the Ephesians. Why the power? Um, what is the reason for that? And I'm going to get to the reason. Uh, so, to get to that, there's a little other story. So, wouldn't it be great if you knew what God's plan was for you? So, on a regular basis, we go to one another and we go, you know, we'd go to a financial advisor and we'd go, I have some financial thing that I need advice on. And you get advice, good advice, hopefully. Or you go to a lawyer for legal advice uh, and we get come to one another for advice and input into one another's lives. And, and we try and hear God on it. And what does God say? What do we do next? Big decisions, small decisions. The guys that are writing matric. Big decisions. That's going to shape the rest of your life. Like, what am I doing next year? The guys that are in grade 10-ish. Like, <laughs> you've, got, you've got big decisions. 
do I drop maths and science because I don't like it? And the teacher is not nice. Uh, or, or whatever, you know? It's like that's a big decision because there's a whole bunch of stuff that you won't become anymore. You won't be, uh, you won't be a scientist anymore. You can't be a doctor without biology. So how do we make these decisions? They, I mean, it, it sounds quite hectic all of a sudden, doesn't it? Huh? It's like, I'm like, you're only like 16, and now you need to decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And, uh, and the same, like, what do I do next? So, so God called us to come to Otsuran. How did we make that decision? We lived in Melpus for 17 years. Uh, I said to somebody this morning, they, they asked me like, um, Lawrence asked me, like, are you guys going to be here for a while? So I said, well, we lived in Melpus for 17 years and we rented. We bought a house in Otsuren. So, <laughs> so I think we're going to be here for a while. That's a plan. Um, but how do we make that decision? How did I say to Kim Miller that, you know, he looked at my wife and I and said, like, are you going? And we looked at each other and we go, went, Yes, we're going. It's great. Uh, how, how do we do that? Okay, so wouldn't it be great if you knew what God's plan for you was? Because you just ask God, like, okay, and then now you know and you've got it, and then you just follow that. So when you get faced with one of these decisions, what subjects to take, does God want you to be a doctor? Does he want you to be a lawyer? Does he want you to farm? Does he want, what does God want you to do? Okay, so the great thing is God wrote it down in his word for you, what he wants you to do. So, um, and we'll get to that as well. I'm going to leave you hanging. <laughs> what is God's plan? God has a, there's actually a part in the Bible, and I want to encourage you guys to read your own Bibles. Because through God's spirit, you can find these things. You don't just have to hear it from me on a Sunday. You can actually find these things for yourselves in the Bible. And there's a heading there in Ephesians 3 somewhere that says God's marvelous plan for, I think they say the Gentiles, which is us. That's us. Okay? We're the Gentiles. God's marvelous plan. So it's written there. Um, but to get there, I want to paint the picture of Ephesians. So we're only going to talk about the first part of Ephesians, the letter. So Paul... Apostle Paul, remember? He wrote a letter to the Ephesians. Why? Well, in Acts 19, you can see how he got there and how he traveled there and then that he stayed there for three years and he preached outside the city for three years. So he was doing a master's class in how to follow Jesus for three years every day. In outside, just outside the city in an amphitheater. And from that three years, all the churches that we read of, the seven churches of minor Asia that you read of were planted out of that ministry, like a teaching, like a, I think you get a degree in three years. So those guys had a degree in theology and how to follow Jesus from Paul. And uh, now he's in jail. And he's writing a letter to them because he's heard some stuff and he wants to make sure that what he, what he had taught them is still there. And Ephesians, the letters, is split up in two parts and we're only getting to the first half. Uh, the first part of the letter is one to three. 
And in 1 to 3, he actually just tells the gospel story. But he starts it in Ephesians 1. He prays for them. And then he explains to the Ephesians. Now remember, the Ephesians like us, not Jewish. Okay? So why am I hoping on this? You'll get it. Um, so the Ephesians like us, they're not Jewish. And he writes to them and he explains to them in Ephesians 1 what God did for the Jews. And he talks about us. He said, God has done this for us. So he explains how sin came into the world from a Jewish context. And then he explains to the guys that, uh, that God made everybody, not he sent Jesus. God made everybody family through Abram. He called everybody into family. Like he is the father and everybody is now together in a family. But it's just us. And it's not you. So that's the writing there. He's going, us, we are the family of God and we've been. And it's amazing and God has incredible promises to the family of God. But the Ephesians are not part of that. And then he goes on and says, but now you can be part of that. So what happened? Jesus came and died, which was always the plan. It wasn't a new plan. It was always a plan. And now the Ephesians, the Gentiles, become part of the family of God. And they together now become the new family. Why am I telling you this? Because actually so much time has passed now that back then it was pretty apparent. Like there was the Jews and they were the, the family of God. And then the, guys, the other guys got added to the Jewish family and they became the new family, the church of God. But we don't get that, that there were promises that we didn't have. And it's only through Jesus that we actually become part of those promises and the new family. So the, the Jewish people also can't stay in their old family. They also have to move into the new family. That's not available anymore either. But... And that's what Paul's writing about in Ephesians. He's going, you are the new family of God. Then, in the second chapter of Ephesians, he starts telling us that, now he's talking to all of the people, and he's saying, God has made you alive. Like you were dead, spiritually dead, and an enemy of God. And God, through his spirit, made you alive. So he tells us the gospel story. How... Each one of us was, is saved when we accept Jesus into our lives. And then that we are part of this family and all the promises. He speaks about a hope that we have. Riches. Reikdom. Uh, and God's great power. In ons levens. And everywhere in Ephesians, he's talking about God's power, God's kracht, the ultimate, and the need for God's spirit to be in our lives. Otherwise, we don't have power, and the need to have that power. But it doesn't get to why we need it. So then he goes to Ephesians three, and in Ephesians three, Paul actually just brags a bit. He goes, "I am the guy that got to tell all of you guys this." incredible story like and he he marvels about like actually in humbleness like that it's 
him that can tell the world outside the Jewish nation that now you're part of the family. You're included and all these promises are yours. Um, he says in Ephesians uh, 3 verse 6, he says, The mystery is, and he's talking about a mystery that nobody ever knew until then. Like everybody was looking for what is the answer to life, the universe and everything. And he's going, the answer is this mystery. Do you also read Douglas Adams? Okay. <laughs> the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are, are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body and sharers together in the promises of Christ Jesus. How incredible is that? That's the mystery that he can, that he can share with us. So, what's God's plan? What's God's plan for us? And for you? How do you know what is God's plan? How do you know what to make, how to make decisions? And that's where this incredible little part comes in. God reveals his hand. God tells us. He doesn't keep us waiting. He tells us what it is that, that, that he's got for us, a plan. So, Ephesians 3 verse 10, just after that. So yeah, this is the, this is, this is the plan. It said, his intent was, uh, okay, I start at nine, obviously. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be known, and now be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Sure, that's a lot of English. Okay, let's go. Can I read it to you? I think, try that. Can you do that in the NIV? That's the, that's the ESV that I normally give you to, to put up. That was a lot of English words. It's like, I... Yo, groot woorde. Julle weet, ons verskillende weergaves van die Bijbel. Hulle allemaal sê die selde ding, wat hy van hulle verstaan ons beter. Ah. Uh, three, is that? Nine. Uh, and to make plan. Pastor oh, Kip, you know? He's, see, that's ten starts here. Yeah. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's better. So what was God's intent? What is his plan? And the heading to this piece says God's marvelous plan for us. His plan is that we will not hold on to the gospel for ourselves. That the whole story that he has just told through Ephesians 3, the incredible thing that Jesus died for me, that I am now part of his family, that God is now truly my father, and that I have new brothers and sisters in him, is not a story that I should keep for myself. I should share this. And for me, the, the thing is, 
if I find something really incredible, like my son and I will love Formula One, I don't have to tell him to tell other people about the race. He tells them anyway, whether they like it or not. Huh? Youth, right? Ready? You heard about Formula One, right? Sorry. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> but I don't need to tell him. Listen, tell the guys about these cars that race around the racetrack for an hour at a time, every second week and two hours. Um, who won? Who, who's going to which team in racing? It, it's like all the detail. And it is, Formula One is great. Don't squirrel. Yeah? It's like all the power that the cars have. The, uh, my wife's saying I'm squirreling. So there is a race on tonight. <laughs> so, uh? <laughs> and I'm excited about that race. I am. So it's, I have to restrain myself not to tell you about Formula One racing and how much horsepower the cars have and the tire compounds and how they get sticky and stick to the road and what they do when it rains and how fast they can go around the corner. It's exciting to me. And the same way, the gospel is exciting. In Ephesians 2, Paul is talking about, I was dead and Jesus made me alive. And when I hear Formula One cars racing around the racetrack, I feel a little bit more alive. Imagine I can be there. That would be cool. Imagine I could travel to Brazil and be there, or the next race, Abu Dhabi, go, go to Abu Dhabi and go be there at the racetrack and see the cars for real with my own two eyes and hear those engines scream around the track. That will make me feel alive. But that'll go away again. When we get into the plane, we'll talk about it, we'll tell everybody about it, but the feeling will pass. The feeling that doesn't pass is that God has made me and you alive through His Spirit. Really alive. Spiritually alive, aware of Him, aware of God. What an incredible thing to share with other people. Much better than big cars with, with big wheels. It's an incredible thing that we can share. And that is God's plan. That is God's plan for us. For you, every one of us. That is God's plan for you. So, now, how is that relevant? That's the next question. No. It's like, do I take biology? Do I do maths? Do I whatever? You know... How is that relevant? How, do I make sense to you? I don't think I do. If you think about it, like, that makes it sense to say, well, God has now said, we have to tell people about Jesus, and this will help us to decide what they must take, or 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 what they must take. Who helps you? Well, that is God's overall huge big plan for the church to do. And you are part of that church. And so for a lot of your big decisions, what I'm saying is all you need to do is you need to see how does this decision line up or not line up 
with that big plan? Will this decision to move to Admonis, Lawrence, is that lining my family and me up with God's overall plan for the church and me in it? Can I see that that decision moves me in that, that, in that direction? For me, that was an easy choice. Move to Oatsworn, yes. I can see how that fits into God's overall plan for my life. What do you do with the other decisions? You get wise counsel. You ask. And God gave you a brain. And then you make a decision. And you live it. So there's a lot of space for us. It's like, so the great thing is God gives us freedom to make a lot of decisions, to do a lot of things for ourselves and whatever we want. You don't have to watch Formula One with me. You can watch the rugby reruns. But that's choice. That's freedom. So we're not boxed. But God has an overall big plan for us to shine his glory to show people through the church his love for them and to show people what has happened in our lives. I, I spoke to somebody in the week, I can't remember who, um, and yeah, so no, I, I know who spoke, said this, and they said it's difficult for them to, to see God's love like to experience it. I don't think you're alone. I think lots of us uh, at times don't see God's love. We don't experience it. And uh, that is why Paul, we are not alone. Paul wrote that. To be able to do this what God wants us to do. We need power. This is ons die trekker gaan uithaal. Soos die groot een. Hier is een zwaar implement wat gesleep moet word. Hier is ploeg in een harde grond. So, maar is lekker. Vraag voor een boer wat al trekker gerei het en hy sleep hy ding achter hom aan en hy trap hy dieselpedaal af en hy ding bril en hy sleep hy groot stuk stal dier die grond en het reik lekker en die land lyk mooi soos in, is lekker if you have the power if you don't have the power imagine you've got to take that thing without the tractor and try and pull it it's like that won't be fun so, het ons harde werk om te doen ja, maar is lekker werk if you have the power. So that's why Paul prays. If we can do Ephesians 3.14 again. And I want to pray with Paul for us today. That prayer as I close. That. So this is what he prays. He says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's saying, I know who you are. God knows who you are. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit 
in your inner being. Now stay there. That's so God's not He doesn't have a shortage of power to give. He doesn't have a measure of spirit and now sorry you were too late. It is that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. I pray that for each one of us sitting here today, that you would be strengthened with God's spirit in your inner being. That you would experience God's spirit in your hearts. That that feeling of alive will be almost always ever present so that what can happen so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ died for your sins that's what that means you're sure of it Being rooted and grounded in love. So, rooted and grounded in love. That's not movable. It is steadfast. Niemand kan jou wegtrek daar nie. is vast. Rooted and grounded. In love. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints, all of us together, what is the breadth, and the length, and the height, and the depth. Oh, there's four things. <laughs> and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I pray that for us today, that as we sit here, that God will come and fill us with His fullness, with His Spirit, that He will grant us that power. That we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ died for me. That I am part of that family that he promised. And that it's amazing like how big his love for me is. That I would have, that, that, that the spirit would make you aware of that. That's a supernatural thing. I don't think I can explain love. It's something that's it's difficult to explain what it is isn't it so you need God's spirit to understand how big and how wide and how deep and how far and long and his love for us is